0: Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome, all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name's Justin Christopher, and I am a Dynasty Freak which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some dynasty on episode number 153. It's finally here. The season has started. Football is back. What a joy uh, to watch the NFL and cheer on our dynasty teams uh, this weekend. Finally, the games count. We have scratches and the win and the loss columns. And I hope that you had a successful week. Um, I had a pretty good week personally. My teams finished 7 and 3 this week. So, I'll take that. Uh, But like I say every week, I'll continue to remind you, win or lose, it's a joy to watch football all weekend and cheer on our Dynasty teams. What I want to do, and now that we're in our weekly uh, season uh, podcast, we're going to do uh, just a week by week review for the next 17 weeks. It's going to be a blast. So after following all the games this week, uh, here are some of my thoughts on players and situations and what's changed in the Dynasty landscape after week number one. First thing that I'll say uh, is what I'll call Shanahanigans, Shanahanigans. Kyle Shanahan did it again this week. He surprised Dynasty managers by deactivating Trey Sermon uh, just before the game started and then playing Trent Sherfield ahead of Brandon Ayuk, uh, man who had really no injury designation. And then on top of that, not necessarily Shanahan's fault here, but Raheem Mostert gets injured in the first quarter. And the 49ers give the ball to Elijah Mitchell and Jermichael Hasty for the rest of the game. The injury to Mostert, like I said, was just unfortunate. But the last-minute demotion of Sermon and holding back Ayuk is really infuriating. Uh, both were startable players uh, matching up against Detroit. It's bad defense this week, but neither scored a point this week. Uh, coaches, of course, we know they don't care about our dynasty teams, but some seem to enjoy screwing with them And <laughs> Shanahan is definitely one of those coaches he's infuriating. Instead of Mostert and Ayuk or Sermon, it was Debo Samuel who finished the third highest scoring receiver this week uh, while sitting on the bench in most dynasty rosters. We knew this was a game to to start the 49ers players, yet uh, we didn't start any of the right ones, most likely. Maybe you started Debo in the deepest of leagues. If you did, (laughs) congrats to you. Shanahan messes with us again. Second observation is that Jameis is back. After a year, Colin being an understudy under Drew Brees, Winston was back on the field for the Saints. And the quarterback who produced fantasy points, you know, for teams based on volume in the Tampa Bay offense, now did so with a really absurd proficiency in his first start of the, with the Saints. He only threw the ball. Winston only threw the ball 20 times, but five of those 20, so a quarter of them, were touchdown passes. He only had 148 passing yards, but he ended the week as the sixth highest scoring quarterback. Crazy. It's really hard for me to believe that, you know, the leopard can change its spots, so to speak, but perhaps Winston has. I'm going to need a few more weeks to see if Sean Payton just puts him in good situations to win, or if Winston was going to revert back to his old self. What's most encouraging, though, is that four to five of those touchdowns were from inside the 10-yard line when I really expected Payton to go uh, with Taysom Hill packages. He did come in there one goal line package, package, but didn't score, and then Winston threw a touchdown pass afterward. And so, um, I'm really happy about this. Winston is my most owned quarterback, (laughs) so I'm happy to see that my very long wait uh, has a chance to pay off this season. Just week one, want to kind of wait and see if this is what he can continue to be, if he can grow into this kind of quarterback that's sufficient or not. Next observation is that Hurts put the doubters to bed. Uh, Jalen Hurts, he moved the offense well and spread the ball around in a um, route over the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Throwing to Devontae Smith, touchdowns to Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, and Dallas Goddard. Three touchdowns to those guys. Uh, So Nick Sirianni's first game as a head coach, I mean, it really went perfectly. Uh, It's just week one and was against a pretty lousy defense, uh, but it's enough to cause the buzz surrounding the Eagles' trade for Gardner Minchie to settle down. Uh, Hertz's athleticism opened up the running game, too, giving Miles Sanders a productive day with 74 yards, rushing, and four catches for 39 yards. Sanders uh, had a goal line carry vultured by Kenny Gainwell, or he may have been a great fan and had a, you know, a great fantasy game. And Goddard was uh, started in most leagues, and Sanders and Smith probably in some. But after watching Sunday, I think Sanders and Smith are also going to be every week starters just alongside Goddard and Jalen Rager. He's going to have a chance to enter that category soon if they keep this up. Hurts really proved that he can move the offense and is making a lot of players uh, viable, at least in week one here. Next observation is Shane Waldron. Let Russ cook. So Russell Wilson, he has made fantasy made a fantasy living by being one of the most efficient fantasy quarterbacks in the league. He was efficient as ever again on Sunday, uh, throwing four touchdown passes on only 23 attempts. It looks like Shane Waldron, uh, Seattle's new offensive coordinator, did keep the running game active, You know, giving it to his backs 20, you know, 22 carries total among the running backs. Uh, but they passed more than they ran. And they picked up their tempo a bit. I think Indianapolis is really a formidable formidable defense. Uh, Seattle tore them up, even in their home stadium, though. So I don't believe that Seattle's going to become a pass-heavy offense. But I think that they're going to pass the ball more with Waldron than they did last year, and funnel what I believe close to 50 percent, I would say, of the passes just to the two studs, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, both had touchdowns. Tyler Lockett with two. I think that both of those guys could finish uh, this season among the top 15 wide receivers in fantasy points. Uh, Waldron's going to do some good things for this offense with Seattle. Next observation, not as fun, but Naheem Hines, I think it will eat into Jonathan Taylor's workload. Indianapolis was playing from behind most of the game, so that's true. Uh, But that's not the only reason that Hines played so much. I think Coach Reich plans to use both backs a lot which will take away from the top-end production that you know, Taylor managers really were hoping for this season. The good news, though, is that they were both involved in the passing game. Uh, they each had six catches in the game. Uh, Taylor, I think he really has to stay involved in the passing game so as not to tip off defenses You know, when he's on the field, that is definitely going to be a run. And so, so far this last week, with six catches, that's great. Um, I don't think Taylor's going to get pulled from the game in passing downs as much as I believe that the Colts just want to split touches between these two way more than Dynasty managers who have Taylor would like. It's just the first game, uh, but Taylor had 42 snaps while Hines had 34. And I bet this is going to be uh, become more of the norm for them. Another observation was CMC, Christian McCaffrey. CMC's return is good for Carolina, but maybe not for Dynasty teams. So Christian McCaffrey did what he always does. He racked up nearly 200 yards of offense on the ground and in the air. Uh, every dynasty manager with CMC on their roster thrives. You know, they're just so happy to have this. You know, his game-winning ability back on their teams uh, this season after he left a giant hole in their lineups last year. I have McCaffrey in and, um, and three leagues, and I won all three of those games uh, this week. No, no, I actually ended up losing one, but we'll, you'll hear more about that later. So I won two out of three with McCaffrey. Um, but what I'm more sad about is Robbie Anderson. I have him in five of my ten teams. And I'm already worried about him, that he won't come close to his productivity, productivity while CMC was injured last year. Anderson did score on one long touchdown on Sunday, but it was his only catch of the game. And that's what Anderson used to do with the Jets. His fantasy production was based largely you know, on, on big plays. But since he moved to Carolina, it's been largely based on the volume that he was getting. And maybe that was just last year because CMC wasn't on the teams. I think that Christian McCaffrey just demands too many targets in the passing game. He was Sam Darnold's top target in the game with nine uh, targets. He's just, uh, I just don't think that there's enough targets to go around on this team with CMC. And I think if Anderson, you know, comes back to being just a big play player only, he's going to be a big boomer bust player on dynasty rosters. And I'm going to have to look for more reliable players to start ahead of him most weeks. It's only week one, but uh, that's starting to concern me now that he's back with the team. Uh, Doesn't look good for my Robbie Anderson shares. Next uh, thing I noticed was, I'll call it the same old Brandon Cooks. Uh, Cooks is a consistent fantasy wide receiver no matter what team he's on, no matter who his quarterback is. He finished the day, his first day, uh, with Tyrod Taylor with 132 yards receiving on five catches, including one where he leaped over defenders to bring down a 52-yard bomb from Tyrod. Uh, Cooks is one of the quickest wide receivers in the league, and he just gets open all the time. Yeah, it's so good to see him getting targets, even in a game when they were in a positive game script. While the Texans were crushing the Jaguars early in this contest, Taylor threw the ball 33 times, even in a blowout. It's true that Jacksonville may end up having one of the worst defenses in the league. Uh, even so, it was impressive to see how the Texans' offense you know, sliced them up. Mark Ingram was actually the leading running back with 26 carries and a touchdown, I wrote a, uh, you know wrote about and podcasted about a few weeks ago how I really see Ingram as a very viable option this year, thinking that he's going to get the goal line carries in Houston, and I was proven right on this first you know week of the season. I actually, almost started Ingram in, uh, in the last roster spot of a very deep 14 team league that I'm in. It's nice to know that uh, he is a viable option in weeks. You know when it comes to leagues that deep, Ingram could be startable. Same game, uh, an observation was that James Robinson's ceiling is capped. I think Robinson's not going to repeat his rookie year production, even after Travis Etienne was lost for the season. Uh, Coach Meyer spread the ball around, and the offense looked pretty anemic until they scored a few touchdowns in garbage time. Uh, for some stupid reason they gave, you know, only, only Meyer knows the stupid reason why, but he was actually out-touched again by Carlos Hyde. Uh, apart from Trevor Lawrence, the Jaguars have done nothing this season to make me believe that they're going to improve as a team. Drafting Lawrence is about the only smart thing that they've done, I think. And Lawrence just can't carry the team by himself. Um, Getting destroyed by one of, you know, one of the worst teams in the league, you know, Houston, really says something about how Jacksonville's going to play. There's room to improve, but from what I see so far from Jacksonville and the Meyer-led team, It's not looking very good, which really disappoints me because I'm so highly invested in La Vista Chenault. It's just week one, but so far things look pretty bad in Jacksonville, and James Robinson is going to hurt because of it. A couple more observations here before we get to the waiver wire for this week. I'll just say that Travis Kelsey isn't fair. (laughs) It's just not fair. Uh, He may be 31 years old, but he's not slowing down at all. Uh, He will be uh, just a, a stud that's going to carry teams, especially if you're in a high, you know, tight end premium league. Uh, and a couple of those, he scored 30 points in one of my tight end premium leagues, more than both of my quarterbacks in that super flex league. Uh, and then he scored 29 points in my FFPC league, which is tight end premium, just four points less than Tom Brady, who I had on my roster. I think his six, uh, six catch two touchdown afternoon on Sunday Is just what we've come to expect. Um, I gave, like I mentioned a bit before, I gave away two first-round draft picks in a league to get him and have not regretted it one bit. Uh, He's helped me finish the money both of the first two years of that league. I'm on the border of a rebuild in the other league where I have him in my my FFPC league, but I think that I would need far more than two first-round picks to trade him in this league, Um, even if I chose to go the rebuild route. It's next to impossible, actually, for me to rebuild my FFPC team because Kelsey's on my roster and he keeps me in every single game just by his play alone. Uh, I was the highest scoring team in the league this week, in that league, so I really plan to keep riding him to victories. Even though my roster is not strong in other positions, Kelsey can just carry a team. It's amazing. Tenth and last observation that I'll make is maybe there's a passing of the baton in L.A. It's only one game, but Sunday night Matt Stafford appeared to have Greater connection with Cooper Cup than he had with Robert Woods. Um, I know that well because I lost the game. That was the one where I had CMC on my team, but I lost a game on Sunday night against a manager who had the Stafford Cup stack, and he rode that to victory by killing me on Sunday night late. Uh, Woods did score a late touchdown, but uh, to that point was far less involved. Cup had 10 targets, 108 yards, and a touchdown, while Woods had only four targets. 27 yards in that late touchdown that I just mentioned. Um, I don't want want to make too much out of one game, but it's something that I want to watch more closely the next few weeks because uh, it could be that, that Cup is going to be the favorite and Woods no longer will be the leading target getter there. Because of their age difference, I currently have Cup ranked two spots ahead of Woods in my dynasty rankings, but that gap could grow significantly if Stafford favors Cup as much as he did in week one. I want to watch closely to see those are my ten observations from this first week of the NFL. Let's move now to talking about the waiver wire. Um, I do want to give you guys a, a you know edge on your teammates so that your league mates so that you can uh, get some get a waiver wire ads this year. Uh, as a reminder, I do play in twenty seven to thirty man roster leagues, what I'll call true dynasty leagues. So the players that I list here are really for deep leagues only. If you play in shallower leagues, there are certainly better players than this to pick up off the waiver wire. But that said. Um, these, if you're in a true dynasty league, here's the players that I would recommend picking up this week. Uh, first would be Tim Patrick. So Jerry Judy's injury means more playing time for Tim Patrick, uh, who made most you know made the most of his playing time last season when Cortland Sutton was injured. And he was a you know startable player sometimes. Surprisingly, though, Patrick was an active part of the offense on Sunday, even before Judy hurt his ankle, and now he's even going to have a more prominent role with the team. Uh, Patrick finished the game second in snaps, forty-six behind Sutton, who had 53, and then K.J. Hamler, I really believe that he's just stuck in his role as, you know, in the three receiver sets, and he only had 24 snaps on Sunday. I think that's going to continue. Patrick's far and away the best player to add to Dynasty rosters this week, in my opinion. Next player I would consider adding is Zach Paschal. Uh, He was also a clear starter opposite Michael Pittman. He was second in snaps with 69 and was first in targets with five among the wide receivers. And he scored two touchdowns. Uh, I like Pascal a little less than Patrick because the Colts running backs were so involved in the passing game on Sunday. Like I already mentioned, Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines had more targets than Pascal. Uh, even so, he has the wide receiver two role nailed down while T.Y. Hilton is on IR. And I think it could be a while. Hilton, you know, with that neck injury, he might not return the entire season. I wouldn't be surprised. And so that makes Zach Pascal wide receiver two. And in Dynasty, every wide receiver two on a team should be. Uh, drafted. You know, everyone that's you know, every wide receiver on their team that's wide receiver too should be rostered on a dynasty team. Third player I'd recommend adding this week would be uh Jermichael Hasty. I would have Hasty higher, you know, as a higher priority in in this year's this week's waiver wires, if it weren't for the Shanahanigans <laughs> that I already described. Um he's among the running backs that's, you know, gonna receive touches while the 49ers await Mostert's return, which just was announced that it's gonna be eight weeks, so this is it. I assume that Sermon's going to come back and uh, not be inactive next week. And it's just going to be a crazy workload between those three. Otherwise, I would have Hasty ranked much higher. Um, it's going to be Elijah Mitchell and Sermon, I think, that will get most of the touches. But Hasty did it last year. So he's someone that I would add uh, if I had a roster spot available. Next player, I really came out of nowhere. Might consider adding him this week is KJ Osborne. Uh, Osborne was the wide receiver three for Minnesota on Sunday. And he was on the field for 67 plays compared to Adam Thielen's 78 and 76. And so not far. They ran a ton of three receiver sets. And he played in almost all of them, 67 plays. Uh, he played a lot. And he caught more, than, more passes than Jefferson did. Isn't that crazy? He got seven passes where Justin Jefferson only caught five. Uh, I have to admit that I didn't know who he was. <laughs> he was a fifth-round draft pick by the Vikings in 2020. So that means he's had some time with the system and apparently really locked down this wide receiver three job. Irv Smith's injury uh, created opportunities for someone else to contribute in the passing game, and we learned this week that it's been Osborne. Um, Wouldn't add him in every league, but he's someone, you know, if you've got a a deep league or you've got an IR spot that you can move someone down, Osborne's worth considering, Uh, especially if if, you know Adam Thielen uh, gets hurt, knock on wood, since I have him in many leagues. uh, He would be someone that might be the next man up there in Minnesota. And finally, a player I'd consider adding would be Deontay Harris on Sunday. Uh, Harris was on the receiving end of a deep touchdown pass by Jameis Winston, uh, though he played less than half of the team's offensive plays. I think Harris is a deep threat, and that's helpful for an NFL team, but really less helpful for a dynasty team, since he's not going to provide the high number of targets that we really look for to actually be a starter on our rosters. Um, He's someone I'd look to add in very, very deep leagues. Or on rosters, you know, that I have a free roster spot after moving someone down, you know, in, in the IR spot, then I might consider in, in uh, picking up Harris as well. And finally, what we'll do on these week-to-week podcasts, uh, the last thing I'll do is mention trades that actually happened in my leagues during this week. I think that trades are really hard to grade in a vacuum, you know, since scoring systems are different in each league and every team has a diverse roster construction, uh, that's why you know I, I mentioned these trades on this podcast to give you because I can now give you context for what the dynasty owners, you know, were thinking when they made this trade, and so I'll grade the trade, but I'll do it in the context of what I think, at least each team was attempting to accomplish it in the trade in my leagues. So, that said, here are some thoughts on some trades that were made in my leagues uh, this week. First was Chris Evans was traded for Amon Ross St. Brown. Chris Evans for Amon Ross St. Brown. So the Chris Evans uh, got a lot of hype during the last week or two of preseason, and he's uh, but he's certainly not worth a Ross Saint Brown in my opinion, who's a starting receiver for the Lions and even had the most snaps among the, the Detroit receivers. Uh, while Evans uh, can you know prove to be effective in the passing game and maybe become the passing downs back in Cincinnati, I don't believe he's ever going to cut into Joe Mixon's role to the degree that Gio Bernard did, and I believe Samaje Peabody is the true handcuff to Mixon. Uh, so I don't you know, like the, the Evan side of this trade. Um, you've, you've heard me on these podcasts. I've talked about St. Brown up plenty in the last few weeks, so you already know that I value him much higher than most analysts. Uh, I wish I had received an offer like this. I'm fully on the Monroe St. Brown side on this one. Next one was a big trade. It was uh, Rashad Bateman in a 2022 first-round pick for Chris Godwin in a 22 third-round pick. Man, So Rashad Bateman in a first-round pick for Godwin in a third round pick. Um, in this league, the team that acquired Bateman and the first round pick is aggressively rebuilding his team and has compiled a lot of first round draft picks uh, for the second year in a row now. And yeah, the team that picked up Godwin is a, has a very competitive roster, but I don't believe, in my opinion, that he's a top two or three team in the league. And so, if I were managing his team, I think I would have held on to Bateman and just kept the pick because, as good as Godwin is, I don't think he's going to put his team over the top. I could see make a trade like this. You know, it might make sense later in the season, but to do it so early in the season, uh, while too many injuries could derail your team, um, I just don't think it's wise to make this kind of a trade too early in the season. I'm a big Bateman fan, and so I do think when he comes back from his injury, he's going to do well, even in the, the run heavy Baltimore team. But basically, you got two first round picks there. Bateman has a, you know, borderline first round pick, depending on the Superflex League and non Superflex Leagues, so who's a first round pick this year. And then a 22 first, so you got two first picks for Godwin. I just think it's too early for this team that tried to make that trade and um, improve their team for sure. They probably won this week after Godwin's good game, but uh, I think I would have gone to Bateman first round picks out on this one. Next trade was one that I made: Wayne Gallman for Eno Benjamin. Um, I made this simple, you know, small, small, small trade in a league where I really was just trying to handcuff Mike, Mike Davis after Wayne Gallman was signed. Uh, I offered Joshua Kelly first, uh, but he rejected it. He countered back, trying to get Naheem Hines for me, which I promptly rejected. <laughs> Value Hines way more than this. Uh, but then he came back for Eno Benjamin, and that seemed like a good deal for me and my team. I just wanted the security of locking up the Atlanta backfield in this team, You know where I've got Mike, you know, I've got, uh, Mike Davis and Wayne Gallman. Should uh, Davis get injured, Gallman could be a spot starter for me some during the week and was definitely willing to give up Eno Benjamin, who hasn't touched the field very much in Arizona. Last trade I'll mention was Miles Gaskin. He was traded in big trade here for a Monroe St. Brown and a 2022 20, second round pick. So Monroe St. Brown and a 22 second round pick for Gaskin. Um, I do think Gaskin's dynasty future is not as bright as St. Brown's, but he'll definitely score more points this season. Um, it's definitely painful to give up a starting running back, but this price seems about right uh, to me on this. I think because Gaskin's I don't think he's a no-brainer starter week-to-week this year. Um, I'd instead like to take St. Brown in a future pick where I could draft another player like St. Brown who was drafted in the second round in most rookie drafts uh, this year. So you're basically getting two second-round speculative players for Miles Gaskin. Pretty even trade all in all, but you know me. I like my St. Brown, so I'm going on the St. Brown side of this one, which you already know if you've been listening to me for too long. Well... Those are some of my observations on week one. So fun. So glad that it's here. Seven and three for me in week one. Hope that you had a good season or a good week, rather, as well. Uh, that's going to be a wrap this week for Freaky Friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. Much better on email than I am on Twitter. Best way to contact me, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Would love to talk to you about your teams. I'd be honored to you if you take time to rate and review the podcast Let this little independent podcast rise up in the podcast rankings. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted and independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, until week two, you know what to do. Go out there. Get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league.